1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com Welcome
0: to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Inside Tri Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that
1: takes a deeper look at the sport.
0: With in-depth interviews and special episodes. To keep you
1: entertained and inspired while you're training.
0: All right, let's begin.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 192 of the Inside Tri Show. I'm Helen Murray and each week on the Inside Tri Show, I bring you awesome interviews from triathlon and beyond. This week, it is a bit of a mixed bag for you. So after all of the feedback about the pan-Celtic episode, I had to get Laurie back on, didn't I? So you're going to hear more about the practicalities of the bike packing race that we did, and a bit more reflection, really, now that we're feeling human again. You're also going to be hearing from a wonderful woman called Lizzie Richardson. She is so modest, but is actually an incredibly talented runner and broke one of Jasmine Paris's ultra running records. So you'll hear from her. Tracy, hello, and thank you for signing up to be a patron of the podcast. A huge amount of work goes into the show every week, probably way more than the time in my head that I actually put aside for it. So I am hugely, hugely grateful to everyone who supports it by signing up to be a patron over at patreon.com forward slash inside tri-shoe Daniel you said that you did the Birmingham Olympic distance triathlon even though it was changed to a duathlon due to algae problems in the water you said it was my first ever one I did it in two hours 57 I was really happy with that and then many thanks to the lads who helped push my van out of a muddy field love the British summer don't you Stephen top weekend of cycling Saturday I completed the Kilbury sportive and I came ninth. And then Sunday it was the UCI World Championships in Glasgow. I saw the road race, and it was an awesome crowd out. And then on Monday it was definitely a recovery day. Donald, sorry, I think I missed this one the other week. You said that you did the Sunderland try. You said I may or may not have come off the bike. Tri suit, helmet, and watch ruined. I am trying not to think about the scratches to the bike. I managed to finish, couldn't let my PB swim go to waste. And a big shout out to the medics who patched me up. So Donald, I hope you are on the mend. And then Murray, you raced at WTCS Sunderland as well. You said you loved it. And you said I smashed my target time by 10 minutes, which was nice. Although I'm paying for it since I got home with a stomach bug. We've all heard about that. And if you're affected, I hope... You are feeling better as well. And then a note from Dr. Nikki Kay, who I had on the podcast with Michelle Dylan earlier on in 2023, talking all things the menopause. So Dr. Nikki Kay is a an expert, she's an endocrinologist, so her thing is hormones. So she's going to be hosting an in-person face-to-face event in London on Wednesday, the 13th of September. It's about fueling your health and athletic performance. It's aimed at masters athletes, age group athletes to help give nutrition strategies to optimise health and fitness. There is going to be or there are going to be special guests as well. And clinical sports dietitian Dr. Gemma Sampson is flying in from Girona especially for the event. So I have put links in the show notes
0: time for this week's interview.
1: First up, Lizzie Richardson. So Lizzie is a Welsh runner. She broke the women's record for the Paddy Buckley round in 2023. That was previously held by Jasmine Paris. So Lizzie grew up in mid Wales. She is one of seven daughters so she has six sisters and one of them got in touch to say hey Helen you need to get on the podcast but yeah they all had a very active childhood and Lizzie would say that at university she focused more on partying rather than running but in 2018 she supported one of her sisters doing the Bob Graham round and that planted a seed that she'd like to do a round of her own one day. So this is the story a very normal woman doing amazing things. Lizzie Richardson, welcome to the Inside Try Show. Lizzie, how's it going? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Now it's cool. Now, Lizzie, it was your sister actually who got in touch saying, you should speak to my sister.
3: Yes, Rebecca's very good at promoting all of us and what we do. So yeah, I was a little bit kind of surprised at first, but yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you actually and yeah thanks Rebecca I think <laughs> I'll see what I feel at the end of this I hope it's all right now you're actually one of h- how many sisters uh so I have six sisters so I'm one of seven girls no brothers yeah wow yeah.
1: And, and I guess you don't know any different when you're growing up but um yeah I mean what was it like growing up with one of seven sisters um
3: chaotic busy <laughs> really fun you know we were each other's best friends I think the teenage years are quite challenging um but we all pushed each other like we're all super competitive and active and we love we lived in the countryside so all our time was spent outdoors so definitely we all are very passionate and involved in some sort of sport in some way and yeah I think we've all pushed each other as well a little bit of healthy competition between sisters is a good thing (laughs) who's most competitive uh Rebecca (laughs) And she'll be the first to admit that. Probably followed closely by me, to be honest, but definitely Rebecca.
1: And and where do you fall in in the seven in terms of like eldest or youngest or in the middle?
3: So I'm right in the middle. So I have three older and three younger. Um, so yeah, classic middle child, I think. A little bit rebellious, maybe. <laughs> Doesn't like being told what to do.
1: <laughs> so you said you had a like a, an active kind of lifestyle. Was was running part of that or was it other stuff?
3: Yeah. I mean my dad when we were younger he was really into running. He used to ride his bike and go run up mountains. So he was definitely a bit of an inspiration to us all actually. And I started running really casually like I just like to run in the woods behind our house or I'd kind of run down the road or set myself little challenges. And then at school i really you know i really loved athletics i just loved running and i loved being competitive um so i did i did the bits at school but you know never really took it too far um and yeah i think we just loved being outside like we'd, you know riding our bikes and progressively getting further and further from home and setting ourselves bigger and bigger challenges and um, so it's always just been like a huge part of my life really i mean living in rural areas uh, there's not much else to do to be totally honest so if you don't like it you're a bit stuffed but yeah luckily I did and got a lot of enjoyment out of it growing up.
1: Oh, and did, did you run much at, at uni or was that spent doing uh, other uh, uni things?
3: Uh, yeah <laughs> I left school and went to uni in Exeter um, and I had a great time in Exeter doing a lot of partying and um, having a really good time and I did run occasionally. I'd go, you know, I'd, I'd run maybe like three or four times a week just on the trails around Exeter. And um, Exeter's a really nice place for running, actually, because you quickly get out of the city. But no, I never joined any clubs. Um, I struggled a little bit at school with competing. I got really, I really struggled with like performance anxiety. So it kind of killed that side of sport for me for a long time. I wasn't interested in racing. I wasn't interested in joining clubs. For me, it was just escapism. And, you know, I loved feeling fit um yeah I really got into the party scene at uni <laughs> I had a lot of fun but you know there's a time limit to that eventually
1: <laughs> so when when did like it maybe go from oh actually you know that escapism um mm. and and during uni after uni to maybe oh I want to do a bit more running again
3: um so I actually moved to Berlin for a while after uni and I went and worked there had a really good time there but Kind of got into a bit of a, a bit of a low place. Um, I think because I was just, you know, working hard, playing hard, and I ended up moving back home for a while. And I bought a mountain bike, and I started just doing tons and tons of mountain biking. And I started to get quite good at it, and I started to really enjoy it. And I did a few races in the bike, and um, yeah, so kind of it stopped being just the thing I did on the side, and actually became this huge part of my identity. I made new friends around it, and and climbing as well. And then I think it was 2018, but I'm not entirely sure. My sister, Jess, my second elder sister, she did the Bob Graham round, which is the kind of English equivalent of the Paddy Buckley round. Um, and she asked me if I wanted to come up and support her. And I was quite fit from the bike, but I wasn't really doing much running at this point. And I did leg three support with her, which I think she started at about three in the morning. And I was literally sat in her camper van at two in the morning reading Born to Run, like, I need to get some tips. I was like panicking. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to do this. And we set off in the dark. And I think there was about four of us. And as soon as we set off, I was like, this is so cool. You know, heading up into the hills in the dark. And when the sun came up that morning, it was a beautiful morning. And it was such a special moment. I thought, this is, this is so cool. Like, I want to do more of this. And I, I really struggled on that leg. I had to wait for them out and back. So I had to cut off early. But, yeah, it gave me the bug. And so when I moved to North Wales I just threw myself into the fell running world really and um, yeah and the rest is history. <laughs> so that
1: so actually supporting your sister by the way did she did she complete it? She did yeah
3: yeah good <laughs> yeah that that the whole story of that round is is crazy and deserves a whole podcast in its own right but she did complete it um, despite many disasters along the way but yeah it's brilliant.
1: And so did, did that, I mean, at that point, did you even know that there was something called the Paddy Buckley round or did Google go a bit mad once you had, yeah. you know, supported her with Bob Graham?
3: I think I didn't, wasn't really aware of it. I mean, I might have heard of it, but I definitely wasn't aware of it. And Jess, actually, she's done all three of the classic rounds. So she did the Bob, she did the Paddy and the Ramsey. I've supported her on each of those. Each of them has been incredible challenging, insane experience. We've had so much fun and some real like low moments as well, but it's, you know, it be so memorable. So each time that I kind of helped with any one of those, the kind of, you know, the cogs were turning in my head, like, oh yeah, I really want to do this. Um, and actually I think it was, yeah, 2019, I ended up signing up on a whim. My friend talked me into signing up to this 75 mile ultra around Pentleon which is the arm that sticks out of Wales. It's like a trail ultra. Um, And I signed up to do that, didn't do any training because I was off climbing all winter in Spain. (laughs) Came back, did like a little bit of running, and went and did it. And, you know, I just set off at a pace that I thought, you know, this is sustainable. And I ended up winning the women's race coming second overall. So I was completely shocked. Um, But that after I did that, I thought, actually, you know, maybe doing the paddy isn't such a pipe dream after all. Maybe I could do it. don't recommend doing a 75 mile ultra, ultra on no training because you might be able to finish it, but you won't walk for about three months after. And, so... and
1: did, did you also ha- have a, a hangover doing it? Oh, have heard about that. I, I mean, I've only just I've only just been told that you might have done it on a hangover with a hangover as well.
3: Yeah, it's really. So, yeah, I had no preparation beforehand. And the night before I stayed on someone's boat in the harbour in Potheli and we drank quite a bit of rum. And so I woke up the morning of late, had to run to the start, didn't have time to go to the toilet, which is quite a problem later on in the race. Didn't have time for breakfast and literally got to the start line and it's pretty much got to the start line and we were off. Um, So, yeah, I spent the first kind of 20 miles sort of sweating profusely, you know, alcohol sweats, (laughs) leaving my system. Maybe it had some sort of like anesthetic effect. I don't know. But yeah, obviously worked for me
1: maybe that but that surely also that kind of shows just how uh
3: yeah how brilliant you are as as a runner well maybe just slightly mad but I think you a whole childhood and life like we've always gone off and just done silly not silly things but set ourselves these sort of like I don't know challenges and yeah I'm used to doing used to being out for long days on my feet so I think I've got that kind of endurance built into me maybe and maybe have got a bit of a natural ability when it comes to the running as well but yeah it was a, a bit of a surprise to me really <laughs>
1: and what, what about I mean like the organizers all the the you know those top few blokes apart from the one who finished first if you were second overall like
3: <laughs> what did they think well I, I hope he's, he won't listen to this actually but my friend Tom who was the one who convinced me to do it you know he did loads of training and I beat him and he was quite annoyed by that, <laughs> particularly as, you know, it's so interesting, isn't it, with the ultra running because, like, Tom would easily beat me in a you know, a 15K, 20K race, no problem. Um, yeah, it's just something that switches on for me when it comes to the long distance stuff that, yeah, I can just seem to keep going. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know where it comes from. But, yeah, it definitely, like, raises a few eyebrows. But the support on that... Uh, pension ultras if anyone ever like wants to look at them i think they're such a brilliant race series and the guy that organizes Hugh, is an absolute legend um, and they're really great and all the, all the support and all the volunteers amazing so everyone was just like so psyched and really excited how well i was doing and um, so that was really nice that is very cool i'm actually
1: a uh, tiny aside here um I have put my name down to volunteer for the She Ultra
3: um, in oh, April. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. That's Hugh's mm. great new race. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Just for women. So, yeah, great. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, Hugh, Hugh is just such he's, well, he's such a lovely guy. He's overcome some huge challenges in his life recently, and he still gives so much to, yeah, the running community and to his local community through these events. So and they're just so fun. Like, I can't remember if it, yeah, he was in some sort of like space suit and he's setting off flares at the start of the race. And it was just, the whole thing was just hilarious. So, yeah, strong. I really highly recommend it. I love this. Love it. So, yeah.
1: right. If you you don't really know kind of what it is that enables you to really get your head down and just keep on going and keep on pushing at all, is it, is it something deep within, do you think? Is it just this, like, you're
3: actually loving what you're doing in that moment? What? what yeah, is, I think. I think definitely I found, I mean, I've done quite a few longer things now. I think the two longest were definitely that ultra and the paddy. And with both of them, I mean, sometimes I really struggle to get out of the door for a long run. And sometimes on a long run, I'm sort of dragging myself around and being like, oh, God, you know, I can't wait for this to be over. But on both those events and other long things that I've done, I do generally just absolutely love it when I'm in the moment. Um, and, you know, there's moments of extreme challenge in both of those things I've done and other things are I moments where really you just you know it's absolutely horrific but large chunks of it I've just felt like pure it sounds silly thing to say but like pure joy and you know I'm just loving it and I love that feeling of your body just doing something kind of quite incredible Um, so I think it comes from that and also being very stubborn go <laughs> uh, on how, how, how
1: have
3: you always been stubborn um yeah <laughs> I would say so and always been extremely competitive I mean I'm taking the mick out of Rebecca i been I mean I would say Rebecca is more competitive than me but I am pretty high up there so you know I get I do get a massive kick out of doing well and particularly you know if you're in a race and you're beating loads of guys that does feel quite good <laughs> I'm gonna lie <laughs>
1: So, what for for people who don't know? I mean, I know we've talked about it before on this podcast, but for those who don't know, what is the
3: Paddy Buckley? So, the Paddy Buckley is around of forty-seven mountains in North Wales. Um, it's about hundred k, hundred five k long, and there's about eight and a half thousand meters of elevation. Um, so kind of more well-known english one is the bob graham round but the bob graham round has certain kind of it's a little bit more strict about how you can do it paddy's really relaxed you can go whatever direction you want you can start wherever you want it's broken up normally into these five sections um you can start you know any road crossing um and you can do it by yourself you can do it supported with people supporting at road crossings or you can do it how i did it with like maximum fanfare and you, know, you get to boss, and then people run with you and carry stuff, and you get to boss them around, which is great. Um, you get to get your back and all the people you supported in the past, and you know all their grumpy moments. So, no, I did it full support, um, and yeah, I just had you know a few people, one or two people on each leg supporting me, um, and that was yeah really brilliant, and for me obviously was quite uh, successful in the end. Yeah,
1: you say quite, you say quite successful. So what what happened in the end, Lizzie?
3: Um, so when I started thinking about doing the Paddy, I always had this little thing in the back of my head, like, "Mm, maybe I could go for the women's record. And it was a little bit pipe dreamy. Um, because actually the record was held by Jasmine Paris, who is an absolute legend and I idolise. And, you know, I would not think normally I'd come near her, but she's the first one who's kind of spoken out and said the Paddy was probably, you know, her softest record. I think she did it in a year where she did loads of other stuff and yeah anyway I was like okay maybe I'll have a crack at it and yeah on the day I went off on an 18 hour schedule and in the end I did it in 17 hours 22 minutes which was a new women's record I think fifth fastest overall and but that's across all styles so you know some of the guys that I went a bit faster than would have done it without support Um, and yeah so I never thought I would get into the 17 hour something time. So that was really cool. Wow, and wow. Unexpected. And was Jasmine's, was it unsupported or supported? Jasmine's was supported, yeah. Yep. Yeah. She did it kind of similar style to me actually. Yeah.
1: That that's impressive. Thanks. <laughs> and did the I mean, did did the whole day go smoothly or like many things were there bits that just didn't go to plan
3: or um, so I started at 4am in Llamberis, Um and I chose to do the Gwiderai and Canebae first, these two legs, because they're quite rocky underfoot, and I I really like rocky terrain. I thought a lot of people struggle on that, on that, those legs because of the terrain. I thought I can cash in here because I'll have, have fresh legs and, you know, can move well. Weather was pretty much as good as you could hope for, a little bit too hot, but in the morning it was beautiful. So yeah, set off um 4 a.m with my friend Owain on the first leg and we just flew over that leg it was so much fun like Owain is brilliant he's such a character and he was literally screaming with excitement we we're both like really long like, like having a great time managed to dislodge this massive boulder and almost crushed my foot on the first leg but Owain caught it just in time second leg again was amazing I actually dropped two of my support um And Katie, the one left standing, she was absolutely phenomenal. She had to work so hard. She gave me all her water and all the snacks. She did a proper, like, head over heel fall at one point and just jumped back up. Her finger by the end was, like, hugely swollen and all (laughs) bent. But she was such a trooper. Um, And, yeah, then I had a a little bit of a struggle at leg three at the start. And then I bounced back. And, again, I was just flying along. And there's loads of people came out on that leg to... To see me and our friends they drove up in the quad bike up this track from their farm they followed us in the quad bike blaring up tunes totally not in the kind of ethos of how you do it with fell running but i thought it was great and um, and then leg four i started and i felt really really good and my coach russell surprised me he turned up and i was like oh this is amazing and we had a, you know, i had a strong climb up the first hill it was really really hot and then got to the top of the first hill, and my, my digestive system just went completely and had like horrific stomach cramps and um, so yeah if you look at my uh, pace across the legs like that fourth leg was really really slow and I, I think you know if I didn't have that issue it could probably have knocked another at least another 20 minutes maybe half an hour off the time but then you know if that hadn't happened something else might have you know got kind of happened further down the line and I was really starting to feel a bit rubbish at that point oh god it's just really annoying because everything else felt absolutely fine it was just my stomach was so painful but luckily that passed and then leg five I was able to get back on it again but you know I was really lucky I didn't have any aches or pains in my legs I felt really strong the whole way around never had any like bonky moments Um yeah navigation was perfect I knew the route so well by that point that it was just it just f- f- flew along on that on that side of things. So yeah, it was, you know, everybody has like a moment in something like that where something goes, whether it's your stomach or your leg or you know your your mind.
1: <laughs> and
3: so you know, I I count I myself as being quite lucky. It was pretty smooth, really, on the whole.
1: And how how much training had you done, and what and what did that training actually look like?
3: So um I think it was back in October. I went to my friend Russell's house for dinner, Russell Bentley, and he's also a coach. And I mentioned to him, you know, oh, I'm thinking about doing the paddy. And Would you potentially coach me for it? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. This is so exciting. Him and his wife, Nino, like, ah, this is amazing. Like, we've got to do this. So Russell, um, yeah, I can't thank Russell enough, actually. He puts so much work into helping me. I mean, I know he does it for all of the athletes that he coaches. Um, and he took an approach... I think if I was instinctively doing it myself, I would just think, oh, huge volume, huge mileage, get out on the hills all the time. That's not what we did at all. I mean, maximum, my mileage was about 80 to 100k a week. And that was only, you know, the last kind of few weeks before I tapered. Um, We did loads of speed work. I went to the track once a week, or if I couldn't get to the track, I'd go around the football field by my house. Russell's trotted out this 800-meter rep around the field and, Quite often, I think Russell had this uncanny ability of knowing when I'd be thinking like oh, I might just half-ass my session tomorrow because he'd text me, but I, I can meet you at the football field at 8am, and he'd stand there with a stopwatch, and you know, so he he was great. Kind of, you know, he was a glutton of punishment, but he helped me with the kind of practicalities of building the training schedule, but he also helped me so much with like attitude towards training and. I think what I said before about how I struggled with like the mental side of things before and the anxiety around performance. He really helped me with that. And he actually taught me that you can get so much enjoyment out of having structure in your training. Whereas before, I always thought, I don't want to do that because I think it's going to suck away the kind of joy that I have in just escapism of running. He actually taught me, you know, you can have both and actually it can make it even better. So, yeah, you know, still now I love going to the track. At first, I was like, "I'm not a track runner. No way. This is going to be rubbish." And Russell runs his track session on a Tuesday. Um, you know, it's an hour drive from where we both live, and he, he does it. And he's set up this amazing community where all these different runners come. It's like a safe space to be all nerdy with each other, and also, you know, do a track session together, which by yourself is can be a pretty miserable thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's you know he's done loads for me and loads for runners in North Wales um, yeah and he helped me loads he helped me with reccees because he's done the round quite a few times himself and has had his own successes with it so yeah so th- I mean I know a few people said like oh we're really surprised how little volume you did um, you know I didn't do many long long runs most of my long runs were about three hours four hours max um, but I did in the weeks before the paddy but well, in March, I fell during a race and got a bad back and that kind of got progressively worse and worse. And then about three weeks before I was meant to originally be doing the paddy, I tripped on a run and my back just went into complete spasm. And I thought I had to hobble off the hill and get picked up and like lie sideways in a car being driven oh, home. God. And, yeah, and I know. Sat on the sofa, like dosing up and coding um, and text Russell saying, you know, this is what happened. He immediately called me. I was like, this is you know, this is probably not going to happen now. And actually he said to me, just remember don't mix coding and alcohol. And I was like, I'm already two gin and tonics in, Russell. <laughs> I, was like, I was so miserable. I thought, this is it, it's all over. Um, but miraculously, I went to see his osteopath miraculously, like from being at point where I literally couldn't walk, we went to doing the paddy a month later, we just pushed it back a week. Um, so yeah, it was all quite chaotic in the build-up, but apart from that, you know, my training was pretty consistent and yeah so yeah obviously worked yeah totally and did you feel you know the the I guess it'd
1: be like the night before or 3 a.m before you started like how did you feel that that morning of um
3: the night night before I was in bed and I said to my husband Tom I was like I'm not doing it I can't do it because I just I just suddenly felt this pressure because I didn't tell anybody that was going for the record, apart from a really small group of the people who were going to be supporting me. And the only reason I told them is because I had to tell them the splits, (laughs) you know, they needed to have a rough time when I'd be arriving at places. And I just suddenly felt this like huge pressure of like, oh, I don't want to let people down. Um, But yeah, I kind of calmed myself down. And that morning I got up at 2 a.m., I actually slept really well, which is surprising and I got dressed I remember folding up my pajamas put them in bed and be like oh my god I can't wait to put my pajamas back on <laughs> that's all I could think about and then we drove to Clamberis which is about 15 minute drive and I just felt really really good I was really excited felt really calm and um, yeah we got to the car park in Clamberis met wine there and then I went to go and have like a last minute wee in the bushes <laughs> on the side of the car park and then some tourists walk up and I'm like What's the way, how do we get to the Lambertus path at Snowdon? It's like, it's like 4am. So i there, it's like a surreal moment. I'm there explaining to these tourists how to get to the path. I looked at my clock, I was oh, I need to go. So that was it, we set off. And the first leg, I mean, I had such a good time, but I had this like huge adrenaline. You know, we set off running, like my heart was pounding, my mouth felt really dry. I was a bit all over the place, you know, just, I felt like a bit Bambi on ice. But yeah, after that, I just... I was really excited. And after that, I just felt no more nerves about it, really. I just enjoyed myself.
1: And how did you feel once you, you know, made those last few steps and the kind of the clock stopped and you knew then, <laughs> I
3: did it? Yeah. I actually, so the last leg, so we, the last leg we went Snowden and then across the Moilalia Ridge. And because I had the stomach issues and the leg before and I lost loads of time, I was I lost all confidence on what pace I was doing it. And I didn't have any splits for the legs really I had just like rough time estimates based on reckeys which if I did it again definitely having splits is a good idea because then you actually know okay I'm actually going at a right pace but I really didn't think I was going to get the record at all I was and I was having these internal battles with in myself like stop thinking about it stop thinking about it And then I'd be doing like sums in my head if I get do this time and I take this time off and blah blah so actually the moment where I had that kind of joy surge was getting to the top of the last summit more later. and I thought right as long as I don't break my leg on the way down I got this and then coming down to Llanberis Rus- Russell was with me and my husband Tom and a friend called Ned and uh we were like running down just like shouting and just being really excited and Russell said something like as we're coming around the last corner before you got the last stretch in, Russell says something like, let's make this record hard to beat. And I actually out loud was like, what? No, (laughs) because I can't, I can not go any faster. But then we turned the corner and loads of people had come out to see us come in. And then I just had this huge surge. And in my head, I did this insane sprint to the finish, but someone filmed it. And it's like, it's a kind of pacey jog. (laughs) But I was like charging in, you know, really victorious in my mind. I look back and it looks a bit pathetic. But yeah, I did feel really, really, I, don't know, I just felt really happy in that moment but the main thing I was happy about I mean I was happy about in the record but loads of people came out and support me on that day and like people I didn't expect you know, people I used to work with like right, really random kind of people popped up all over the place gave up their day to come out and they all came to the finish and I just felt this like really emotional like oh it's just so lovely and my mum and dad were there and Tom's mum and dad and yeah it was just really nice and then we all got absolutely attacked by midges. So we had to leave really quickly. <laughs> it was really anticlimactic. Did you get back in your PJs? Yeah, so that was the thing. I've got to say like, end of leg five, as I was going on Morelillo Ridge, I was like, my pajamas. I've, I remembered my pajamas. And I was like, oh, not long to go. So yeah, I came home. I felt really good when I finished. And then somewhere on the drive home, it hit me. You just feels awful. But then I got home. Tom made me cheese and toast. I had a shower, sat on the floor of the shower, obviously, got on my PJs, and then sat there eating cheese and toast. Like, had a cup of tea. That's all you need. <laughs> it's like the simple things, right? Yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> oh,
3: and then Lizzie, when did you find out some pretty big news? Oh yeah. So yeah, that was the the next big kind of life curveball. Um. So the week leading up to the paddy, I actually was feeling quite tired and I thought it was just some weird tapering symptom, randomly sleeping in the middle of the day. Um, and then, yeah, the week after the paddy, uh, I thought, hmm, there's something more going on here. <laughs> some other symptoms were arising. And yeah, as it turned out, I was pregnant. Um, and yeah, my calculations were right. I was about six weeks pregnant when I did the paddy. And you didn't didn't know um,
1: didn't know at all when you're doing it.
3: No, no. I mean, I actually did take a pregnancy test um before doing it because I missed my period, the classic thing, and I just thought, well, oh, I better make sure. And it was negative. And that was a few days after I missed My Period. So I was like, well, oh, you know, maybe it's like a training thing, you know, maybe you know, maybe I need to think about that. But right now I'm just focused on the paddy. Um but yeah, so it's been a bit of a whirlwind because I felt pretty good for the first two weeks after the paddy and then I got really hit hard by first trimester kind of nausea and exhaustion and uh, yes it's just a little bit overwhelming to be honest and as I said before I started a new job as well so that was an, another challenge to navigate and yes yeah, it's been, <laughs> been a bit of a whirlwind. And,
1: ha- and have you been able to do any 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 running or anything like that so far? Well,
3: the week after the paddy, literally a week after we flew to California for a family wedding, but family live out there. Um and I did a fair bit of running in California. and um, I've done bits and bobs since getting back, but to be honest, I've just felt so exhausted a lot of the time. And I'm a big believer actually in just listening to your body. And I think my body was just telling me, Nope, enough is enough. Like you're pregnant, you just did this really stupid thing. <laughs> we want you to stop for a while um and I'm just now starting to feel you know back like getting back on it and every time you know I'm just feeling a bit better I get hit by some other weird pregnancy symptom but I'm really you know Russell's still giving me um a training plan which bless him I've completely ignored in the past month but I'm gonna you know I still want to get down to the track I've been down to the track since getting back you yeah, know, so I'm just kind of taking things a little bit easier, but I still, I'm going to do the OM, the original mountain marathon in October. So I'll be about six months pregnant then. So I'm hoping I can still go do that and waddle around. I'm doing it with my father-in-law, who's 64. So
0: <laughs>
3: hopefully we'll kind of even out. I managed to drop him on the paddy, which is really satisfying. He's really, really fit. <laughs> and uh, so I'm sure he's like waiting to get his own back. He's going to drop me on the OM. But he has to stay with me in the OM, so he can't really do that. But...
1: And did um like did having done what you've done with the with the paddy and having you know supported your sister on the on the other round, supported Jess, has it planted even more of a seed that you'd like to do more stuff when the time is right, obviously.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would really love to do the Ramsey round. I've done the Trans round, which is essentially the two-thirds of the Ramsey round. Um, but I'd love to go do the whole thing. I don't feel a massive desire to do the bob at the moment because I don't really have that real connection to it. But I lived in Fort William for a while. I was there during the first lockdown, so around the hill- hills around Fort William a lot. So I know them really well. Um, and I'd really like to do um, some sky running next year. I'd love to do some more races. Um, the sky running series really appeals to me. I really like technical, rocky terrain. Um, and yeah, I'd just like to keep challenging myself. I've got a few other ideas of things I like to do. Um, maybe some climbing slash running kind of combined challenges. Um, I actually got a really amazing offer yesterday, which I'm so gutted about. Oh. Which some- <laughs> somebody, someone I know here in Wales, offered me an entry to the Dragon's Back race. Wow. Um, That's quite yeah, a good infor- offer. I know. Unfortunately, they can't do it anymore because... They have to go and have heart surgery which is yeah not not great for them obviously but they really really kindly said oh we want to give it to somebody who wouldn't normally be able to afford it because obviously it's, re- it's really expensive it's a big event and kind of. you can see why so i was i was like damn it <laughs> damn it pregnancy <laughs> like never gonna get off like this again but she said you know think about if there's anyone else that might want to do it. And I I don't really know who. Hung up the phone and me, I was like, oh my God, my sister Jess. This has always been her dream. So anyway, Jess is going to do it with six weeks notice, which is mega exciting. But yeah, so I'd love to do the Dragons back at some point, but I don't think I'm ever going to get an offer from someone to do it for free again. So... Just better make the most of it, Lizzie. You you, ne- you never you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's like a desperate plea to anyone <laughs> listening. <laughs> and you know, with
1: you mentioned Jasmine before, you know it was her record that you broke. Um, clearly, she has done and does some phenomenal things as a, a crazily busy mum of two. Do you find that really inspiring for yourself as well?
3: hundred percent. Absolutely. Like I find it inspiring, reassuring. I mean, I was so happy actually when I came back from uh, California and actually talked to some of my female running friends in the club who are mums, who I find them really inspiring. And it's so great talking to them about, you know, the realities of becoming a mom and running and them just being like, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) You can do it. And yeah, it's great having role models like Jasmine. And the one thing I would say is, when you first become pregnant, you have this really strong ideas about, I always thought I'd be that person who's like pushing through, feeling ill and getting out. And I did really struggle because I know I've read obsessively, read Jasmine's blogs (laughs) and, um, you know, I know she kind of carried on exercising during her first pregnancy. And so you do sort of like measure yourself up against other people and thinking, well, I'm failing because I'm not getting out and I'm not doing this. But actually, the more I talk to people, the more I realise that everyone's experience is completely different. Um, but when it comes to, you know, once the baby arrives and uh, I think the most important thing, I'm just trying to prepare my body as much as possible with, like, strength work or the kind of core pelvic floor stuff. And then I'm really lucky I've got, you know, really supportive husband. I've got both grandparents, set of grandparents living really close by and... Um, so I'm always going to have the option of, you know, driving over to my mother-in-law's house and be like, can you watch the baby whilst I go out for a quick bike ride, ride or something? Um, but yeah, it's definitely helps having those role models who work, you know, are mums and also get out and do really successful things with running. So yeah, mm. reassuring. Oh,
1: do you feel a bit, Lizzie, that the... You're saying about that performance anxiety. It, it, do you think that's still going to be there in the future do you think it might have changed a little bit
3: um it's definitely got better I mean I got to the point with it that I'd be on the start line of a race being sick (laughs) sick with nerves but I definitely still feel it holds me back um certainly in shorter races I just get so wound up that I'll perform so much worse than I would in a more relaxed setting against people that I know that I should be you know, faster than, um, you know, I had some pretty poor race results at the start of the year. I went to did the British Championships Irish counter and I just had such a terrible race, but it just got too much. And I start, set off and it all just like, all the motions came in and I basically kind of gave up. Um, that's something I, it has got better over time. I just think it's something you kind of almost have to have like exposure therapy and just keep pushing yourself to do it. And when I do have a good race, I really enjoy it. And by good race, I don't mean winning. By good race, I just mean doing as best the best I can. Cause some of my best races have been ones where I haven't necessarily won. And I've won races and had a really rubbish time because I've just been so uptight and you know not enjoying it. So that's something I'm so keen to tackle because in the future, yeah, I'd love to do some, you know, proper racing and go out to Europe and race and stuff like that. So I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful. And definitely the longer races I find easier because you've got such a long time. There's not that kind of build up at the start. Anything kind of under 20k, I mean, maybe a lot of it's anxiety because you're like, this is gonna hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but just I am learning to to relax about it a bit. But um no, it's definitely something I want to work on and something I have worked on with Russell and I know he's definitely going to help continue helping me with.
1: And is it the just the pre is it just pressure that you put on yourself and this expectation of you know I have to I have to do well basically?
3: Yeah definitely and the pressure put on myself and also I guess I'm way more nervous sometimes doing a small race here in Wales than I am doing like a big race in the Lake District where I know there's probably 20 girls that are going to be faster than me. Whereas here in Wales, sometimes I turn to race and everyone's going, oh, you're going to win. Oh, and I just find that pressure. I don't – sounds like a silly thing to say because I'm now on a podcast talking about myself, but I don't really like being the centre of attention. So I kind of like just being like, you know, slipping in un- unnoticed. Um, but, you know, I am I am getting better at it. And actually, I think a lot of the time people say those things because you know, nobody's actually expecting much from me. They're just saying it to be nice. So – I need to just try and chill. It's <laughs> easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you know, and I find I also I'm quite like a, you know, a private person, but I quite like, you know, after the paddy, loads of people asking me, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? And it kind of almost made me maybe it's that stubbornness again, like, well, maybe I'll do nothing. <laughs> maybe I'll get really fat. Well, and actually that's what's gonna happen. So I'll <laughs> show <you> them. <laughs> um get really fat for nine months but um no I think I just find it sometimes a bit overwhelming but then on the flip side I am really competitive and I I I am ambitious and I do want to do well so if I didn't have that ambitious competitive side then I could just say that's fine I'll just park it but I want to overcome the anxiety because I want to do well you know if I'm being totally honest I do want to do well um so it is quite important to me to try and overcome it definitely
1: see. It's exciting times. Definitely exciting times. There's uh, so much going on. Um, yeah, I think I did I say this at the beginning or did we say it before we hit record? I don't know. You're probably one of the hardest interviews I've ever had to prepare for because there's literally well, no, it wasn't because there was nothing I could really prepare because there was nothing out there um about you apart from the fact that uh you know you had got this record and um yeah, that was literally it. But there we go, all good. Um it, it's been it's been really
3: a, a real real pleasure to chat so thank you
1: so so much yeah, no, thank time. you
3: as well and it's been really nice I think I said to you before that it's been such a whirlwind since doing the paddy I've actually barely thought about it let alone talked about it to anyone so it's been really nice to talk about it and yeah to have a chat about kind of wider things as well so thank you very much
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: That is Lizzie Richardson. And from one Welsh woman to another, back by popular demand, Larry and I finally managed to catch up recently to reflect a little bit more on the pan-Celtic race in a more sort of with it state. So we answered as well... Some questions that I had had more about the practical side of things. So there is less food chat in here, more other chat, starting with generally how we're doing, how we're feeling.
2: I've caught up on sleep. I've never slept so much. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, that that first week after Pan Celtic, I was literally having 40 winks every two, three hours. I drove to Carmarthen and I had to stop, pull over in one of the services to a buy the most expensive coffee on the face of the planet and also I had to have a like a 20 minute snooze in the car it's like 30 miles down the road is it it was insane wow I I just remember that the Monday the Tuesday it
1: just felt like uh I was a zombie I was so tired yeah yeah so tired um but Lori for you right you are a multiple Iron Man finisher a Kona qualifier. How did Pan Celtic compare to something like
2: an Ironman? Oh, it's completely different. I couldn't even put them in the same box. This is in like an ultra box, and also a survival box. Whereas, he's uh, going to sound flippant, but and an Ironman is tough. Uh, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to build that you know, make that less than it is, it is really tough, but actually, you know, it's got a start and a finish and mm-hmm. actually it's broken down into three parts and it doesn't involve sleeping or finding somewhere to sleep, <laughs> um, you know, uh, and it's, and it's all mapped out in front of you and you've trained specifically for it. Yeah. Some people did train for this, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did some riding, But I would say from my point of view, and I think from yours as well, we didn't train specifically for Pan Celtic.
1: No, it was very much, I did it on triathlon training with a few longer rides, but not stupid. I mean, we did the Audax, which was 210k and we did a back-to-back weekend of riding, but what, wasn't it like 100 miles one day and 70 the next? Apart from that,
2: honestly, all triathlon training, I was doing swim bike running. That's an aspect, isn't it? I think it very much depends on what your goals are when you when you set set for this. And you know, for us, we did it as a challenge. Didn't we? we wanted yeah. to complete it, and we wanted to do as well as we were gonna be able to do. But it wasn't, you know. And it, it was a focus for the year. You know, various other things came up that sort of, you know, prevented maybe just single-mindedly going going just cycling. But equally, you know, as much as I love cycling you know i i like to mix it up as well yeah. and um you know i'd have missed doing some other stuff that that said we meant we met plenty didn't we that that i trained specifically i mean there were people practicing weren't they yeah. sleeping on park benches i mean you i draw la- the no no not when sober <laughs>
1: <laughs> for me what appealed about it like why did i want to sign up i think it was a couple of things I really liked the idea of doing something as a female pair. I, that definitely, after the Lori Morgan and Mimi Anderson interview, I was like, that's cool. I liked the challenge element of it, for sure. And for me, it was the fact that this thing was going to go into Brittany. And I have never cycled around Brittany, but I have spent a few weeks, a couple of summers as a student in Brittany. So the fact that this race, event,
2: whatever you want to call it, was going to be going there and finishes in North Wales, I was like, yeah, sign me up right now. Yeah, I'd say I, I was slightly different. I mean, I, I listened to that podcast and I was I was really enthused. I could visualise the west coast of Ireland and I just thought, oh, imagine cycling up that. And then I thought, well, you know, it'll be the same somewhere in a Celtic region, um, so that would be immense of course, that then it was Brittany and I was like, well, that'd be that'd be superb, wouldn't it? You know, I mean I haven't ever done anything like this. And it's really exciting, you know, and like you say, the challenge. And then yeah, by talking to you, you know, would I have done it on my own? Maybe. But I think it's just that extra impetus of, oh, go on then, go on then. But well, why not? Why not? And and that's the thing, isn't it? There is absolutely nothing in this world that you cannot do if you don't, re- you know, if you, if you put your mind to it, you can do most of anything. And that's the thing, isn't it? And it's not so much about, oh, I'm doing it to prove X, Y and Z. Yeah. Just by doing it, you show that you can. And. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I see it. And, you know, if that inspires people, grit. But if it doesn't inspire any people, I don't really mind because I'm doing it for me. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Uh, Some people who
1: listened to the original one have said, you know, oh, I, I fancy giving that a crack. Other people have said, I definitely would not want to do that. but. Huge, huge respect to the two of you for kind of riding the highs and lows and, and what you did and everything like that. If you were to do something similar again, having done it as a pair, would you do it
2: as a pair or solo in future? I'd have no qualms in doing it as a pair. I have absolutely no qualms in doing it a pair again. Um, I think having done one as a pair, I'd also have no qualms now in doing one of my own. and. I don't think I was afraid to do it on my own. I, but having done it, having done it as a pair, it, it cemented that actually I, I I can do it. And maybe there was a doubt whether I could do it on my own, but I didn't. I didn't have to explore that because we were doing it as a pair. So I I don't know. I mean, if you turned around and said, "Oh, I don't fancy it," and it was a route that I really wanted to do, I'd go and do it on my own. Yeah. If if you turned around and said, "I'd really love to do it," then I would do it.
1: Yeah, I I I think it was yeah. uh, we worked really well as a pair. I loved it as the experience. Um I said at the time I there are other people who I could have done that with, but I'm really glad I did it with you and it was a laugh and all that and I would completely agree that well, I did have that fear of I don't I would have been too scared to do that on my own. But would I now do it on my own I don't know I loved I actually enjoyed the company but I would feel like I could do it on my own and I would survive and it would be absolutely fine and I would I would probably enjoy it but it was interesting when people who were solo would come and ride up to us or, or we would pass some people doing it solo and some seemed grateful of having a chat and a bit of company for a couple of hours didn't they
2: yeah, I th- I, th- I think you're right. I think it's a different type of enjoyment, maybe. I, think I mean, you'd have to like your own company. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because I do a lot of my cycle training on my own. Same. So I'm quite I'm quite used to being on my own for long rides. That doesn't faze me. But um, but uh, you know, and actually, weirdly, you know, I I ha- I do cycle with with others, but. But I haven't cycled as much with others for a long time since since I cycled toured. It's a different type of enjoyment, I think, because yeah. you get to share stuff, and I think that's 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 really lovely as a part of travel. Whereas, yeah, if you're on your own and see a beautiful sunset, you still see the sunset, but there's something magic about you know having your mate or, or your mate saying, "Oh, look over there," and you 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 suddenly look to your right, and although it's a beautiful sunset, you do, you miss the hedgehog crossing the road. <laughs> someone did say she
1: couldn't believe felicity it was felicity said she couldn't believe i had never seen a hedgehog and i what i should say is i've seen a lot of dead hedgehogs i had never seen a hedgehog just like crossing the road
2: felicity and i are on the same page here (laughs) 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 they're the many firsts on the pan celtic seeing a hedgehog cross the road i mean it's like some joke isn't it but but that wasn't (laughs) you know imagine that's a bonus to your wish list Hey, I life, goal, life goals. I've seen a hedgehog walking across the road,
1: <laughs> and it was alive. Um, the other thing, life goals, uh which has caused a lot of chat, was the pizza vending machine. <laughs> we need to we need to firm this on it. Was it the best pizza you've actually ever had?
2: I don't think it was the best pizza I've ever had, but it 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 was very close to it. yeah. And okay. um, I mean, the best pizza I ever had was was in in a mountain village in Italy. But that's you can't compare that you can't you know it's not it's not the same thing is it well i can't like uh, in france but if you were asking me to compare that to eating in any well-known pizza establishment in the uk including artisanal pizzas in the uk then yes it's good i like that yeah. um Rich did say because uh, I was asking Rich, did he
1: have any questions about? You know, did he wanted to ask? He had a few. One of them was typical. Uh, what was your favorite food consumed along the way?
2: Oh, uh, well, apart from the pizza, you mean? Yeah. Oh, it was the maxi pan of chocolat, <laughs> hands down. Okay, I think I quite like the. We um, <laughs> went into a. Are you going to say? If you're going to say couscous salad, right, <laughs> I'm going to abort this interview.
1: <laughs> Definitely wasn't that. It was walking into uh, a bit of a rubbish bakery and she didn't have much on offer. But what she did have was uh, a few uh, choux pommes pomme. And again, we were like, well, will have four of them, please. And literally just wolfed them down one after the other. Then they had a power cut and we went round to another bakery and probably bought a whole load more good things. Do you know I'd forgotten about that? It's your Yeah, that was good. Right, no, we've done food. Uh yeah. a few people have asked about um kit. So let's have a little, let's go practical, let's talk kit. Um what what was your setup? Like, how did you carry everything? <laughs> and and had had you planned this ahead in advance for months on end, Lori. Uh no,
2: no, I had not. Helen. <laughs> I had not. The fact that I had to order uh, a new saddlebag maybe five days before leaving probably probably says it all. Fair play. You and Rich had actually put some detail in early doors and had done a spreadsheet. And an exit, Rich you know, had done the spreadsheet. And you'd sent it to me and I'd received it and I'd looked through it and, and then I filed it. <laughs> and then I got waylaid by other things. Um, so, yeah. I was probably not as prepared as a large proportion of people on that start line. But I I think, I think I had everything I needed. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um,
2: And how did, how did you carry everything? What, what was your, what did you sort of use for people thinking, Oh, I might, I might, what do do I need? Yeah. And to have this in context, I do think, again, if you're talking about Kit, there's a whole, there's a massive array of, of different setups yeah. from the people who are out to race it and win it. I mean, they barely had anything on their bikes. I mean, Just mental. They, yeah. I mean, you're just looking at it and you were like, well, have you forgotten stuff? You know, but actually they'd reel off and they had more or less the same as we had. It was just smaller, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, I think they didn't, think they didn't it, have spare clothes and they
1: definitely, definitely didn't have T-shirt and shorts for off the bike like we did because they, they probably weren't going to bars and
2: having, you know, a glass of wine. <laughs> Yeah, or, or sleeping bags. They didn't no. have sleeping bags. No, they would sleep in waterproof trousers and like like a thin, thin, thin down jacket yeah. in church doors. And we we busy. decided that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we decided that wasn't what we were doing, wasn't it? Yeah. No. And I think that's that's the first thing to say, is you know if, if somebody's thinking of doing this, you have to decide how you're gonna sleep. Like there were some people who had barely anything on their bike, but they had done it before successfully, the long ones, but they decided they were b bing it every night. But they were super organized and they, you know, they had spent hours looking at the route yeah. and working out where they were going to get to. So, you know, there's that aspect. And there were another aspect of people that were carrying, you know, had panniers on their, on their bikes, carrying tents and stuff. But we decided we weren't carrying tents. We weren't going to camp we were going to carry bivvies and we were going to like mix it up, you know, do, do a bit of B&B and, and a bit of bivvying and and sort of, you know, a bit of fair weather bivvying really, yeah. you know, and some people bivvied the whole time, you know, and, and kudos to them. And it's it's very individual, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's what people want. Yeah, definitely. I There's a bit of me that thinks,
1: God, why did I lug, you know, the sleeping bag, the mats, the liner, the mozzie net and the, um, one, oh, and the bivvy bag. Like, why did, why did I carry that all the way around for 1,700 kilometers when I only used it once? But, yes, there's a big bit of me that thinks that. However, at the same time, it meant we always had it. And I really do think, had the weather not been as horrendous I think we would have bivvied at least once in the UK.
2: Yeah, I think looking back, one of the lowest points, I mean, the crash, notwithstanding, but the lowest point for me on retrospect, not at the time, because I i, th- I think it was great what we did, but if it had been a beautiful day, we got to uh, Montgomery, not Montgomery, Knighton, um, sorry, got there. It was about five-ish, five. wasn't it? Um, and we, we we had the legs and we had the light at that point. So, you know, it, it would have been stunning to have bivvied somewhere in the we- Welsh or Stropshire Hills, you know, with a beautiful sky, that romantic notion of, oh, look at us in the out- great outdoors and then it's beautiful, you know, look at the Milky Way up there and Orion's Belt. I was actually secretly looking forward to that, but it was teeming down with rain. I yeah. mean... <laughs> It just, yeah. I mean, you could have, but it would have just been miserable. I could do that miserable. in my back, I could right. do that now.
1: If I'm honest. I mean, go ahead if you want. We can again, we can abort <laughs> the call if you want to go and set the bivvy up.
2: Um, when you were giving your list, um, there of what we we carried, you, you forgot the um, did you say the inflatable pillow? No, no, I that didn't. Was, that was good, I thought. And that that came from one of your podcasts, I'd I'd heard when. Somebody on your podcast say uh, one of her luxury items and it, it was tiny, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like the size of a matchbox um packs down to. So that would be that would be something that I would definitely if I even if I go camping, I'm going to take my inflatable pillow. Because I've always used like towels or rolled up clothes, but you're just like, oh what this is great. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, the 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 other thing
1: which I felt that um I definitely if I was doing it again I would definitely definitely have was the what we termed the climber's bag as in the little um handlebar bag thing which you could just like take food take little bits and bobs from that was one of the most useful bits of kit for me one of the only things I didn't use my leg warmers but I don't regret taking them um I do think next time if I were to do it again I would say right lo what do I need in my medical kit uh, and it would be ibuprofen uh, nappy cream which was like weird yellow stuff wasn't it and you had I, I had my normal chamois cream like assos stuff but you had uh, Sudocrem, didn't you
2: yeah I agree about the climbing bags I had I had one either side actually mm. I mean I uh, being a medic <laughs> like my first aid kit is dire but um I had lousybriefen paracetamol what else I had antihistamines in just in case of bites. I had suda creme in. That's that I that's that's my that's what I use anyway normally just in a pot for um chamois cream. Um I'd th- thrown in some metanium uh last minute which is the nappy rash because if you get sores or something or cuts that that's really good. I mean it stains everything yellow but it is it's really good stuff. We had some plaster I had some taping what did I have I had the clothes that I was wearing to cycle I literally had a spare pair, so like a sports bra, socks, shorts, and a jersey. And I knew I'd wear for like three days and four days or something. And we threw the socks, do we? And then had a pair of flip-flops and then shorts and a T-shirt to put on, like for sleeping or, or that type of thing. Like like you say, others didn't. A waterproof coat. Um, I had sawn-off glove mittens. Um, you know, to wear while cycling mm. gloves. Really, you had marigolds, though. I did. I, I put some marigolds in because
1: I had seen previously in like really wet Ironman races. You know, that's what the pros use. And I was like, well, that's genius because actually, the gloves are useless once they're wet. So I thought, oh, I, and that the first day of biblical rain. Um, I was like, brilliant, happy days. I got these excellent Barry Gold, pink Barry Gold gloves. The one thing I hadn't thought about with the Marigolds, it's very, you can't change the garment, you can't flick between screens on the garment with the Marigolds on. So I was kind of having to do a bit of a half on, half off thing. And then I think another day I was just like, oh, stuff it, I'm not even putting them on. But uh, yes, I did have the Marigolds. They were good. Uh, Lori, a, a very important question here. How much Jip did you get for your tyre choice? And what what exactly was the tyre choice?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I didn't choose tyres. I, I, you know, I, I basically, like took my old roadie. yeah. I, I wanted to take a more basic bike, so it would be easily fixed if needs be. Um, it's just manual gears, um, and that's fine. And I've done Lands End, John O'Groats on it. I love the bike a bit, um, but it seems it's got twenty three inch, I think. I don't know, um, tyres. Um, as was pointed out to me by. 15 people, like as we were signing up, you know, going, Are you really going to ride on those? I was like, Well, yes, they're attached to my bike. Um, <laughs> are you going to go off road? Well, good luck with all your, yeah, like, like your punctures. I was like, All right. <laughs> and Helen, tell me, how many punctures did you or I get? Zero.
1: Absolutely zero. We were very proud yeah. of that because no, we did yeah. not have a gravel setup. We had yeah. thin
2: road tires. You had thinner than me. But no, yeah. neither of us got a puncture. <laughs> I guess that that's the one thing actually I would take <laughs> I would I would look at next time. I took three spare inner tubes. I think I probably next time would only take two, but what I didn't take were tire sleeves and I did think about them and then decided against. And I and remember I did get a bit of a haul in one of my tires. That that I was a bit nervous of in the gravel, but actually, you know, I was like, well, we'll just wait and see. And actually, it was fine. But um, but yeah, I, I would take tie your sleeves next time. And I would take cleats, a spare pair of cleats. <laughs>
1: but uh, anyway, that that's lesson on that one. Take the cleats for next time. Um, how much planning did we actually do in advance in terms of the route and staying in places? <laughs>
2: Uh, <laughs> I think I should have been asking that question. You can ask it. Come uh, on then. Yeah. Helen, please tell us, how much planning did you do for this trip?
1: I did it a fair bit. So I had, I booked the trains, didn't I? No, I booked the trains and the boat. Um, but it, were, it was a team thing, but I was <laughs> like, I'm happy
2: to book it. No, i.e., i.e., what I mean by yeah, that it, is... Yeah, absolutely right. I We played to our strengths and I... Stayed right out of it. <laughs> what did I say? Keep away from the logistics. <laughs> <laughs> Quite rightly. Quite rightly. No,
1: but I wouldn't have just gone ahead and no, booked no, no blanket no, no, booked. No, no, no. no, I know. No, that, that bit would have. Been, no, no, no. I know that, but that bit would have been the team sort of approach. I, I'm happy to book it, but actually, what do we think as a pair that we can both do? So, for example, the first night, we. Both said, yeah, that would be a good idea to have somewhere to stay. And then we had always planned to bivvy that second night, but knowing if the weather's bad, well, then obviously we'll find somewhere. But no, know the weather was good. And then we were going to stay in a hotel that third night. It's just it ended up being a different hotel to where we had booked because obviously we had the um, crash. The boat, um, we had to pick ahead which boat we were going to get, but it was changeable up to four hours before the boat time. So we did end up changing that because of the crash. uh, And we ended up, thank God, I'm just saying, thank God we did that, getting the cabin. Um, Then we hadn't got anything booked in the UK. We had an idea that we... If we were doing fine after the ferry, we would get 130 miles in and that would take us to Filton. If we were feeling good, we would be able to get to Chepstow, which was 150 miles. And in the end, the aim was 140, um, but we didn't get there because it was full. So we plumped with
2: 130. I think I'm right saying this. I think that's one of our both regrets is, is we didn't back ourselves at that second checkpoint when we looked and there was space in uh, the same bridge wasn't it we should, we should have just booked it and i guess that's another lesson isn't it mm. you you're like oh i don't know you know that's that's quite far and actually it is far but we should have backed his, backed ourselves a bit more i think
1: yeah but so i think we could have got to chepstow no problem and the one thing that we didn't ever do and i don't regret doing this because i do think we found that balance but we didn't ever ride through the night we didn't need to, I don't think. No, exactly. Because I think, you know, we were never going to do it in five days. We, I I think we would have done it in seven had we not had that crash, which then meant we did it in eight.
2: But I think, I think even, even with...
0: Interested.
2: Done it in seven. Yeah. We could well have cycled all night. I think, you know, if if we were like, right, we've got to get on the Wednesday night ferry and we are, you know, we've got to do 150 miles, right? Like, let's get up at three, let's go. Yeah. You know, and we'd have done that. But we, we never had
1: to. No, that's the thing. We didn't we didn't ever have to. And I think that's partly because of the way that we approached the whole thing, which was yes, we're gonna have the element of challenge, but actually we want to enjoy it as much as possible. And for us,
2: I think we nailed it, to be honest. And also let's be honest here, we we never set out to race. No. I mean we, we, we hadn't looked at the tracker, had we? No. You know, we had. I didn't even. Really I well. never looked. I never looked
1: at the tracker. I didn't Not have honestly. a clue.
2: But mm. I think, I think, if we'd have got the Wednesday night ferry, and we it decided, would have been game on. Well, well, I, I think if we decided, it would uh, have been... yeah, and and you know, so, somebody'd message to say, do you know what your first or second pair or whatever? I think we would have, we might have made different choices, because oh. I think we got caught up in it. But by the time we'd crossed on the Thursday it, it was back to enjoyment. there was no pressure you know we, we were happy well we wanted to finish by the Sunday do we but I
1: was so desperate to finish on that Sunday I was <laughs> like any any mention of oh we might not I'm like no we will we will
2: <laughs> yeah yeah no it was all good you know I wouldn't want to go back and have that crash again but you know it happened and it, you know and and you know, thankfully we were both fine and it, you know, it adds to it, doesn't it? Definitely.
1: And then final thing in terms of kit and stuff like that. Uh, someone asked about how do you charge things? Um, So oh. I had two power banks with me and given how much we stayed in the hotels, I definitely didn't need to take two power banks. Um, I was, it was fine, no problem. So I had my two power banks, which were, I think, 20 something, 20,000 something each. So would probably charge quite a bit. I had a spare back light. Uh, We both had exposure lights, which actually I think now on reflection, I do think they're amazing. So I had two back ones and I could sort of swap them in and out. And the front one, you can kind of program in it and it would have had about, 20 hours of battery and the one thing which I spent a lot of money on but I do not regret and I am glad that we had it was I bought a Garmin a solar 1040 thing and I never normally if I go riding cycle touring with Rich Rich is always the one doing the navigation I tried and I found it quite stressful once so the fact that I pretty much did it all the way I was proud of that fact. I got a bit stressed in one place, but other than that, I was very, very proud.
2: Yeah. No. Fair play to you. Yeah. You from the navigation point of view. Yeah. You did that. Um. I I had my wahoo. So I've I've, I've got a wahoo, bolt, um, which which I use in triathlon. Which which I knew was not, um, th- yeah, was not gonna gonna last juice wise. Um, without, I mean, I could have, I could have rigged something up to charge it for sure, but I also knew that you had it, you know, um, solar powered. And um, having toured with a Garmin in the past, on a personal level, I find Garmin far, far superior to navigate with. And if I was ever doing this type of thing on a on a more regular basis or a more serious basis, I would certainly opt to buy a Garmin. And I think, you know. For what it's worth you're, you're better off getting getting a solar you know charged one you know for, for that reason I also had a power, one power bank which was 20 uh, like you um the the other thing that I don't regret taking um because it was France I had an adapter uh, uh that I could use in France but it had uh, four four USB ports in it and a plug yeah. Which meant that, that you only had to plug the one in and you could charge everything off it. Um so and and it did have a UK plug as well. And mobile phones wise, you know, we just had them, you know, on um airplane mode. I mean, I, I had no interest in setting up a dynamo. I know some other people had dynamo and you know, and that's great. That's really self sufficient, you know, it's a no-brainer, really. But um, yeah, it wasn't something that I, I had an interest in. No. Um, we had, we had the underneath saddle bags, didn't we, that, that you strap on. Um, and, and th- this was another thing and this was why. Yeah. So yeah. I, I had one that I've used in the past with a different bike. So yeah, this is t- talk about, you know, checking your kit, going back to what you were saying. I, on the recce, i used a different bike because I was training for, like events in triathlon, so I wanted to be out on the other bike, so I didn't put my kit onto my bike till about two weeks before, and I went out and the straps is a different, it's a different, slightly slightly different sort of saddle um, attachment or whatever, and the the two sort of Velcro bits ar- around the stem just just don't you know the seat post, not the stem, the yeah. seat post just weren't holding properly so I then en- ended up ordering another one which, which worked fine for me you you had the same as me originally didn't you and you've had you did your recce and yep. all of the recce with that bag that yep. was laden with stuff with no problems didn't you yeah but it, you it wanna- had started yeah
1: so I've got a big uh Ortlieb um saddlebag I've used it for touring with like rich in the past. So I would have done it, used it for La Jog, used it in Italy, used it in Portugal. So I've used it a lot. And when I realized that the front setup, i.e. carrying my sleeping bag and bivy um, in basically off my handlebars was not going to work because it kept on falling onto the wheel. I was like, right, well, I'm going to try and see if I can get everything in my saddlebag at the back, which was fine. And it wasn't actually as full as I've had it previously. However, I think the Velcro was starting to go. My issue was then that it was coming undone. So then we had to cable tie my bag on, which was a pain in the backside, because then you can't really pack it very well, because you can't, Basically, you can't sort of sit on it because it's attached to the bike. So it's really difficult to pack it and then stop it from sort of swaying. So long story short, one of the best things I had was a bum bag. and <laughs> It was like a big trail yeah. running. Off. I haven't mentioned the bum bag, Laurie. Uh, and I just started putting more and more stuff in that bum bag. Um, somehow, I don't even know how I could sit on the saddle by the end because I'd literally have this big bulge behind me, which would look like bump into the um saddlebag so yes if i was doing this again i would i would be googling tail fin and i would probably be getting a tail fin to put the stuff in
2: there and carry it that way that seemed to be the way forward that, that they look really sleek they look the business didn't they yeah and the other thing i think we were at a slight disadvantage because we, we, we're both quite small yes um yeah. and um you know we like my bike is extra small, I think yours is too. Mm. Um, although you just about got away, didn't you, with a frame bag? I I tried a few frame bags on mine, and and if I had a frame bag, I just sacrificed having any water bottles, even with a side entrance water bottle. So I had a very long top tube bag, and I just about got away with that, but it, it wasn't, you know... It wasn't as good. Whereas if I think if you're a six foot bloke or even a five foot eight foot lady that, you know, if you've got a medium or a large frame bike, you can get a frame bag, which which makes a big difference. Yeah, totally. So I think all in all,
1: um, there we go. That basically sums up some of the boring parts, which are not as hilarious as uh, all the, you know, hysterics, but it's useful stuff. To know, would I do it again? Yes. Did I hate it? No, not one bit. I, I, I absolutely loved it. Has it changed my life? No. Am I grateful to have had the opportunity to go and do it? Yes. Am I grateful to have done it with you? Million times. Yeah, loved it. Uh,
2: to keep it short, ditto. <laughs> When's the next one? <laughs> oh, I think we. I think it. I think it would just need to be a different challenge now. Yeah think all right get thinking yeah all right watch your space <laughs>
0: thanks for listening to the inside Tri show if you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything then reach out to helen on instagram or twitter at inside trishow. show
1: thanks again to the wonderful patrons who support this podcast and enable me to bring you an episode each week if you want to join them it's patreon.com forward slash inside trishow. And if you could spare the equivalent of a cup of coffee and go and sponsor the wonderful girls who are doing the rock all for move charity, that would be amazing. Again, there is a link in the show notes and I can't wait to support them next month. I know they are training hard, but that is it again for this week. So thank you so much for listening. Keep me posted with what you're up to. If you have enjoyed this, share it. Comment on it, it makes a massive difference. But in the meantime, happy training, happy racing, and we'll speak again next week.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network